0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN
1: Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Welcome in uh, Reno. Reno is here, Vegas, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Damon is steering the ship again this week. Adam Hill is back from Miami, getting ready for VGK game number five. Could win the Stanley Cup tomorrow. How freaking cool is that for the state of Nevada. We'll have time during the week, if they can finish this off, about the biggest championships in the history of this state. That's all coming. Man, Darren Millard was just on with us from uh, VGK IS, VGK Insider Show, and uh, Scripps, pre-post-intermission guy, and he threw something out there. I want to hear from both of you guys on this. Is it okay for a media member to get a little bit emotional watching
2: a team win a championship? No, but he's not a media member. Yeah, he's a team employee. Hmm. It's absolutely not okay for a media member. And I've I've talked to plenty that are that already are
1: that you know are going to cry.
2: Yes. Is there going
1: to already... be cheering
3: in the press box tomorrow? Yes.
1: Hundred <sighs> percent. Yeah. There'll be several that will <laughs> be able. To... Yeah. We both were like, "Yep." Yeah. No way it can be avoided.
2: I mean, I, I've just followed some of their some of their you know tweets the last couple of days. Like we're really going to do this. Like what we? But you guys also had that problem at the RJ.
1: Early on, when the knights first got here and they made their run, there was a lot of. Well, there, there was a there little is too a much difference.
2: There is a difference in that. Please don't a lot tell of me that
1: non-sports staff people are okay, but sports staff people. No, I
2: think because a lot of people like are running social media accounts that aren't anything. They they don't cover the team. They're not around the team. Don't they're they just, rep? They just don't run, they rep your staff? They just run social. Well, I I believe they should, but they they don't. And right. we you know we had that conversation of. These people are never going to be around the team or covering the team, um, so it's different. Which I understand. I think as an organization, th- that shouldn't happen. But I get how it is. There is different voices within outlets, but the actual front-facing people that are out there covering a team, who are tweeting stuff like that, absolutely unacceptable. How should Magnum and Ryan
1: Wallace react?
2: Uh, they're on they're a partner. They're on a branded
1: employees. station, not a partner station. Yeah, they're
3: a closer to team station.
2: employees. Okay.
3: I would, I would, yeah, uh, because like, speaking for myself, if the Raiders were to win a championship, if the Raiders win a Super Bowl, I'm trying to milk it for everything it's worth, what, do I, what can I gain yeah, personally you, from you, it? You're, First you're, of all, you don't
2: have to worry about that. Yeah, no, well, you know, <laughs> what's for we
1: thinking. Well, I would also say, one, you're part of Cofield and company now, so don't worry about Raider <laughs> Nation Radio 920 anymore. <laughs> So everything's changed. We are I, the we are, we are, we are the objective no, station. I got
2: a sign check with, with Mark Davis. Davis and, I, be I just used to be a in the team board actually works for the team separately, though.
3: Uh, yeah, I remember getting he's my like first a, little Mark staffer. Davis signed check. For well, so what? You know, he's like a he's a PR staffer. I did it, I did it for a season. The game day he, staff. Like
2: I'll be asking questions in the press conference. He's the one that hands you the microphone. Wait, are you done question? or are you
3: doing it again? I'm done. You are. It was a lot of typing. Did you get fired or you you resigned? We mutually parted ways. Is that right? Wow! Look at you. Are you sure you want this public? Too much from now, <laughs> you might be like, oh, I kind of miss it. Can I come back? Nope. You said on
1: the radio, we uh, mutually parted. Be careful. Do me a favor. We'll when, you, great when, you, when you podcast this, this clip is all gone. <laughs> For your own good. Cheers. Dump it out. Dump, dump, dump. All right, Big Four time. Battleborne
0: Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four.
1: I'll admit I will cry if uh, Stevie gets the Con Smythe because I just bet it at one fifty to one. Okay, good. Chandler Stevenson. But right? I'll you bet tell you what—that
2: was the, that's the bet.
1: I like Ike a lot. Um, boy, I had a rough I had a rough Sunday night. I was leaking all night. Man, it was tough. I went to see Tina. I told you I was going to see that when she passed away.
2: Yeah, I knew, I told, I knew you went. I man. saw the the photos on the gram.
1: Oh, I haven't I haven't put up. Oh, you saw the uh, the S.O.S. The photos. SOS, I haven't yeah. put them on yet. Oh a lot of, lot of, lot of like red face, puffy eyes. It's rough, man. It's a good story. It's a good story. I think you guys would love it. First of all, and this is not part of the big four, it's but a true, I just got, a true love story. Uh, no, oh, okay, no, no. Know. It's it no. is it is raw. Like like the the guy who plays Ike Turner, freaking beats the hell out of her throughout, and the the, the crowd's like, Ooh! like I don't think people knew who Ike Turner was. I'm like, this guy was a mother, like so they they like it was raw and. More than a few uh, N-bombs throughout in, a cr- in front of a crowd of 2,000. Hey, it's a story, man. She was yeah. a victim of racism, yeah. and he was too, and it was good, though. Highly recommend it. has gone. I don't know when it's coming back, yeah. but really good. Travel.
2: F- go go, follow them around.
1: I don't know that go I need to tour. F- follow it around. Not me saying people, if, they're, if they didn't get to see it here. Do you think the uh, the guy who got tackled at the Canadian golf event cried? Because that was like a Bill Goldberg spear. It was a good tackle. Uh, here's Jim Nance calling the end of the Canadian Open as a dude made a 72-foot putt good pace are
2: you serious oh my goodness glorious and free we're storming the 18th green now they
1: just tackled Adam Hadwin by the way who was trying to approach his friend security did knowing that's exactly who it was but Canada has a conquering hero I love that I don't know who was doing color but he's like Oof. it was a good tackle and then the caddy who's hugging the winner was like, you could see him. He's like, What
3: are you doing? That's his friend. He's number 75 in the world. <laughs> <laughs> what a magical event. I mean, that, that's you can't, I, well, you okay. can't, you can't. If you don't have a badge, you can't just run on the the freaking
1: green. Problem is, everyone else stormed the green and he's spraying stuff all like We, we never the security guard doesn't We know. never got
2: this when live in PGA were separate. Now I'm glad everything's back together. We're good. We're getting time. Know.
1: Maybe we're this, this is a sign that they're a little afraid of the uh, element that might be coming in.
2: Golf needs to do a better job at promoting its stars because
3: the 75th best NBA player in the world, if he runs on the court because he just wants to celebrate with Jamal
2: Murray, he's not getting stopped. I don't know who the seventy best, seventy fifth best well, player think, in the NBA is. I think you, you could try to stop him; you wouldn't be able to. I think in golf, you just can tackle them because they're not, you know, the best athletes in the but world. But I'm saying he should have that. He should be like, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> I bet you know what I'm gonna find. I'm gonna track the seventy fifth best NBA player in the world and show you two photos. I don't think you're gonna be able to identify him. Game on. Number three. So that was a hard hit. That was
1: rough. That could have made you cry. The Heat mascot. First of all, what is it?
3: It's a fair question. His name's Bernie.
1: Bernie the Heat. <laughs> well, they set up something at one of the quarter breaks or halftime with Bernie the Heat mascot, and they bring out Conor McGregor. And I, don't know, I told you last week, watching Tough, because he's on the Ultimate Fo- uh, Fighter. First of all, he looks bizarre now. He is so puffed up. He's wearing schmedium suits. He's just all all the time, he's just fully flexed. And like I don't I don't know what's happening. They bring like they're setting up a fake fight, and then Conor McGregor goes like I don't know who do you who do you want to bring up? Which which fighter did he destroy in the past? Eddie Alvarez. Sure. Goes like full on against Eddie Alvarez. I think it was freaking, like the, it
2: was the Rudy Tomjanovich punch. It was Kermit Washington. It was Kermit that
1: <laughs> on a basketball court that is the most ridiculous punch we've seen.
2: You're right. <laughs> yeah. Since Kermit and Rudy. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, by the way, I have your answer. What is Bernie? He's a rough anthropomorphic depiction of the fireball located on the team's jersey, so it'd be like the the incarnated like God. form life form of whatever that fireball is. Trying way too hard. Like, I
1: actually, after watching it, I'm now glad Conor McGregor punched him out
2: because of what the you do like stupid mascot. Uh, I feel like Conor was supposed to punch him. I think so. I don't think Conor was supposed to throw that big of a punch. Well, I thought the first. I definitely don't think the follow up was supposed to happen. The
1: first left, I thought it hit like the smushy snout, and maybe didn't hit him in the face. But then the guy fell down like he was supposed to, and then Connor goes in for like a UFC MMA finish, and that because that one was straight on, you know, the nose just went right into his face. But I blame and apparently the guy got hospitalized. The ref didn't stop it.
2: You got to step in. Was it a ref? You keep going until the until the the guy grabs you.
1: Then they're then like they're they're dragging him off the court, and Connor's like around him. I don't know if he's going to punch him again. No, no, no.
2: It's, so, the reason Connor was on the floor is because he was announcing a partnership with his new body spray and the Heat. He's His body spray is the official body spray of the Miami Heat. He's, he's that's got why a he body was there. spray? So, that's why he was there. He takes the floor. They're losing. They're about to go down 3-1 in the series. So, the entire crowd boos. Like The boos were overwhelming. And I think that's why Connor was fired up. And he's like, all right, fine, you're going to boo. I'm going to do this. So he hits him twice. And then he walks over and sprays the body spray all over. Oh, that's what he was doing. Poor Bernie, who's who's laid out unconscious under there. And, yes, Bernie did have to go to the ER. They also, uh, talking to some people at the arena, didn't mop up the body spray for a while because it was still there. And there was a couple of guys slipping. And they had to do it at the next, the next time out. They had to pick up the body spray. But that's what he was doing. He was spraying the body spray on the guy. And uh, look, there are some things that alter your thought processes that will probably make you throw a harder punch than you're supposed to.
1: on, your reaction to Adam Hill accusing Connor of uh, snorting or something? I don't know. I, don't
3: I know. mean, it, I think all the signs are there. We can see just by the jumpsuit that he was wearing. I mean, that's definitely somebody who's feeling himself a little bit. He's lost in the sauce. Have you watched the show yet? I've watched a
2: couple. I
1: mean, I think there's only two out.
3: Oh, i watched. Well, I have it's, access to the
1: yeah, but
2: I've only, I've only watched two. It. It. It's so weird. Just the way he's acting, though. Uh, well, also, he won't wear the uniform. He's like, I'm going to wear a suit. Yep. Like, everybody else is in uniform. And the suits are for, all too for small For the first 30 seasons, Yep. everybody's worn a uniform. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to go suit. And not showing up for the weigh ins. Come on, man. Like, show some dedication. That's a good point. He doesn't show yeah. up for the weigh ins? No.
1: He's out doing What is he thing. doing?
2: He's doing his own thing.
1: The suits are tight.
2: They're a little tight. Real tight.
3: Does Burn Is Bernie entitled to compensation?
2: I think he was – because I mean, he's supposed to get hit, I think he probably – Assumption of risk. Assigned some. He's probably signed some waiver. Really? I mean, I'm probably. <laughs> For promotions, the, the mascot uh, has to sign a waiver. I think so. Hey, right? man, anything could happen out here. Well, You're he, not suing he us. Was, he was already agreeing. I don't think there's an NBA team that's going to allow their mascot to get punched by Conor McGregor. And not have some sort of backup clause. But if you're the mascot, aren't you you're like, wait, what am I signing? Why I have to sign something? Why? No, I'm not doing this. Look, he looked like he was ready for the fight. He had the he had the gloves on. He was dancing around. he, looked, he had some good movement. He was ready. Just have a chin.
1: Was he? Yes, yeah. he bad chin. Okay. Number two. Oh, I want to play Spolster later. We got to get this to It was funny on this, but we'll get to that later. Uh, we're about ten minutes away from talking to one of the experts from ESPN.com on the NBA as we're getting ready to set up the finals. Between the Heat and the Nuggets, as the Nuggets are trying to close things out. Also, a lot more VGK on the way as well. All right. So, the theme for you is, like we said earlier, you're not getting emotional over this whole thing. Right? That's Millard. That could be team employees. But I know you do have a soft spot in terms of finding stories. You feel good for Cassidy?
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of awesome. I mean, look, he was was fired a year ago. Um... Tomorrow Wednesday is the one year anniversary of him being hired by the Golden Knights so one day short of being hired by you know in a new job after you know six years at your old job where you had a lot of success and still got fired anyway less than one year after that date you're going to be you know hoisting the Stanley Cup on your home ice like that that's a cool story and I think there's a little bit of a soft spot kind of for both coaches in the series because they're both really good at you know dealing with not dealing with media but like Actually answering questions, um, go a Bruce Cassidy press conference is basically like a hockey clinic every day. The guy's unbelievable at how he addresses, how he answers, how he listens to questions and and answers them. And Paul Maurice on the other side, same thing. He talked about it this week. Uh, his his son is in media, yeah, and so he's like, look, I have respect for the, what they do, but how can I not? So my son does, and I wouldn't want some jerk coach. You know, treating my son's questions like who cares, right, DeMon? So that was Devon's theme last week. Yeah, yeah. Devon yeah. doesn't even listen to the show. That's my theme all the time.
1: Show us a little respect, all right? Yeah. You don't have to flip out if a question is poorly phrased or it seems a little weird. Be an adult. Yeah. I like Palmo, and I lo- I've, I really like the way, what I like the way Cassidy's handled yeah. this. He's thing. cool, and, and
2: I think I think it's a cool story.
1: The entire year. Yeah. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Matt Hoffman, Justin Watkins, offices in Reno. Vegas and Henderson, you can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. In the north, you get got a dial 775.
0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All
1: right, let's get you ready for another game in the finals, maybe the final game between the Nuggets and the Heat. Denver is a nine-point favorite. It's Cofield, it's Adam Hill, Andre Snellings. Heard him earlier in the day on ESPN National. Nice enough to join us here locally in Vegas. How are you, sir?
4: Doing good. How y'all feeling?
1: We're good, man. We're good. I'm going to flip the script because you uh, caught my attention with a recent tweet, and uh, we actually wanted to talk about this for a couple minutes. Uh, I'm guessing that you pay attention or you are a fan or a follower of UFC, and I saw your comments on Amanda Nunez. Yes.
4: Yeah. You know, just watching her um, dominate that fight the way she did and then just the Enthusiasm and just bubbliness she had as she, you know, announced her retirement. You know, you don't normally see somebody that happy to say that. You know what? I've done all I can do. It's time to hang it up.
2: Were Were you impressed with her, or more disappointed uh, with Arena Danya, who was just not doing much? <laughs> she didn't do much. You- you know, the
4: impressive thing about her was that she could take a punch because <laughs> she had Amanda just unload on her for five rounds, and she was still standing at the end. So if anything else, you could say she's got a chin, but they talk about the, what the Mike Tyson effect where someone's defeated before the fight began, and that's kind of what it looked like.
2: Maybe they should have put her in the Heat mascot uniform. She could have taken a better <laughs> punch than with her God.
4: Yeah, <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Um, yeah, if she, if she could take a, uh, that many punches from Nunez, I, I believe she could take a couple from um, from McGregor.
1: <laughs> How real do you think that was, and are you buying into the, the the person's in the hospital and like serious damage? Thought it was all a bit. I mean,
4: <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: I, I feel like that guy might have saw an opportunity and took it, but from the people that were there, you know, that, that I've talked to. They say it felt real, you know, that, that they were all just kind of like, yeah, what could possibly go wrong That Conor McGregor punched somebody? And then it actually happened. So, you know, I, I want to know how much they paid him to sign up for that.
1: So what have you seen the last couple games with the Nuggets and the Heat where the Nuggets, seemingly anytime they need to go on a spurt,
4: can pull away? Yeah, so the the Nuggets, and I, I feel like this is close to ob- objective fact. They're bigger, they're stronger, and they're probably more talented than than the Heat. So the only way that the Heat could really compete is if everything worked right. You know, they had to have the right team. They had to have Butler and Adebayo playing at a high level. And they had to have the role players knocking down three-pointers the same way they did against the Celtics. And they haven't had that. They had one game of that, and they won that game. Outside of that, you know, the... Gabe Vincents and the the Caleb Martins and the Max Struces of the world just haven't given them what what they need in order to remain competitive. And so with that being the case, the Nuggets just kind of have to lean in on their talent. You know, they can go in the middle and and just, you know, uh, over-big them. Or they can have Jamal Murray, who's, to me, the breakout star of this postseason, um, just carve them up from the outside, working uh, right-hand-to-hand with Jokic.
1: Andre Snellings with us from ESPN.com. Andre, in your mind, why have so many people been um, up until the series and really even early in the playoffs resistant to recognize Jokic's greatness? Which sounds crazy because he's a two-time MVP. But I think, like you've you've had a kind of not you, but we've had to kind of drag people along to finally go. You know what, Jokic is really good.
4: Yeah, I mean, so his his greatness is such a new wave phenomenon. Like I was in kind of early on him because I'm a numbers guy. You know, I do analytics. And so I think it was one of the first articles, uh, NBA articles, I wrote for ESPN. I was breaking down um super teams, and I did it numerically, quantitatively. And so by the measures I was using, uh, Jokic was already a superstar then, like a top five player in the NBA then. And when I wrote the article, I got crushed on Twitter. You know, it was like, oh, you know, you're a nerd, and... You know, watch the games. Like, I don't really watch them. You know, like watch right. the games before you say who a superstar is. And so I think that he does it in a way that isn't intuitive. People don't just think about a center that, you know, can't jump and, you know, can play position defense, but he's not a rim protector. And he just doesn't look like a star, but no one is able to stop him from doing what he wants to do on offense. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're if you're unstoppable, that makes you one of the best players in the league.
1: So on this show we have a couple of resident nerds. My partner Adam. Uh, we've got another guy who works for Visa, and John Von Tobel. Big. They're both big on numbers, and I know Adam's, you know, often saying that uh, analytics are really not for dumb people. Is that too harsh? Like, is that why? Is it basically people just can't process? So then they get mad and angry. I mean, we're talking like a guy like Charles Barkley, and they just want to lash out. And then you guys are all nerds.
4: <laughs> but the thing is, is I mean. I can understand, because what's what the expression, lies, damn lies, and statistics, like, a lot of times people can twist numbers to make them tell the story that they want. The thing is, they might just not be good at it, you know, it's like, if hmm. if, if if someone is, is using numbers like that to lie, you can probably catch them in it if you know enough about the numbers that they're purporting to use, so... You know, I don't think that it's about, you know, uh, someone being too dumb to use them. I just think that, that people have this resistance to them when really all stats are are facts. You know, they're, they're a, a statement of events that have happened. And if you can use those events to predict the future, then so much the better.
1: Yeah, I'm going to throw out these malicious facts, which there's no such thing as malicious <laughs> exactly. facts, right? To, uh, <laughs> to back a case, and it doesn't mean that I have an agenda. All right, Hero's going to give it a try tonight. I mean, how much can it help? And is this really the key to the Heat series? When they win, they were making threes at a record pace in the uh, in the NBA playoffs. If they don't make their threes, they don't have a shot.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was kind of like what I laid out earlier, the three-pointer is their golden key to be competitive in a series against a bigger and stronger and, and probably better team. And so, yeah, if their threes aren't falling, it's not overly simplistic to say that, yeah, they, they really can't compete. As far as Hero goes, I mean, I've, I think it's great that he's given it a shot. I don't feel like you can expect much of anything because the man hasn't played for two months. And I was told today on the air that when, when the injury happened, he was holding his knuckles in the palm of his hands. Oh. You know, like, so that just doesn't sound like something that's going to come out and hit 20 points, um, you know, just right off the bench uh, just a couple months later. But, I mean, I think anything they get from him, if, if they get it, is a positive, if they got eight points in ten minutes, that would be, like, over overjoyed, but, yeah, I'm not expecting a lot.
1: Andre Snellings and with us from ESPN.com. You hear him all the time on ESPN Radio. He's often on a Q show over on Raider Nation Radio 920 here at Lotus Broadcasting. So one of my favorite topics in all sports, but especially basketball, is team building and how you build your roster. So is this going to change? Because I feel like we all went for, hey, let's have – You know, you can have a good defensive big, but a guy who can stretch out, who's 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", and then have a bunch of three-point shooters. That's the way the NBA is going to go. And now we got a unicorn here, an old-school big man who can do a little bit of everything, has stretch elements. So what does the rest of the NBA do in terms of reacting to what is probably going to be a Nuggets championship?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a copycat league, like it always has been. But it's so unique, you know, the way that the Nuggets did it with a, a superstar in Jokic, kind of unlike anything we've seen before. And Jamal Murray, you know, I watched him play in the summer league uh, before his rookie year, and he caught my eye because, you know, he was able to knock down jumpers, but he didn't look like a pure point guard. You know, he looked like kind of an off-the-ball, off, off the ball, you know, knock-down jumpers guy. So for him to set an NBA record by, you know, dishing double-digit assists in four straight, uh, his first four final games, that's like a huge amount of development from him. So I don't know that you could just copycat and say, "Oh, hey, I'm going to take you know uh, an international um, uh, maestro of a center and um, uh, a, a, a shooting guard and turn him into a point guard and just build through chemistry." But it's maybe a testament to what Michael Malone has done as a coach that he's been able to get the best out of all these disparate parts and then make a, a true contender out of it.
1: When teams win championships, I think we all start to look ahead and we're like, "Ooh, can they win a lot of championships? Could could this be a dynasty? Can they win a couple of titles? Could they win three or four, two or three, two or four? What do you think?"
4: They could. Um, for me, it's too early to really talk seriously about dynasty. Um, but they, they they look like a, as good as they are this year. They look like they could be this good for multiple years. Um, I will say, you know, I take nothing away from the dominance of their run because they've won in the way that they should win when faced with the competition levels they've been faced with. But, you know, I talked about Jokic being kind of unstoppable. I feel like the teams that would have a chance to slow him down um, are, are like to say, the 76ers with Embiid or maybe the Bucs with Giannis and Lopez, and they didn't have to face those teams this time through. I don't know that that'll be the case multiple times, but I feel like if you got a team that's strong enough to win a championship and you keep it together for multiple years, then, yeah, you know, good things can happen because you, you, you never know how things will break um, for you to try it again.
2: I was going to ask if this title will be the end of all the criticisms of Jokic, which we always try to find just reason to criticize him. But I'm actually going to switch it and say, is it, are we done criticizing Malone? Because I've heard a lot of that over the last couple of years. Like, I feel like th- that should probably be over. You know, it,
4: it'll probably be over for at least a year. But look at what's happened in the in the NBA this off season. Like every coach that has won a championship since two thousand what, eighteen, nineteen, except for Steve Kerr, has been fired within like a couple years. So, um, I think that Malone gets maybe a, a year of grace period and if things keep going well then so be it. But if they're not winning titles again in a couple years, he could be in the unemployment line just like the rest.
1: Andre, tell everyone out in Vegas uh, where they can find your stuff.
4: Oh, yeah. So on Twitter, my handle is Professor Driz. That's the word professor with D-R-Z. Um, the same handle on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I'm on ESPN.com's uh, NBA page, their fantasy page, and their betting page. Uh, look for NBA and you'll find me.
1: Do you have a second favorite sport that you uh, you really like doing analytics for?
4: Absolutely. I, um, I also do a lot of work with the NFL. Um, I do um, some, some uh, betting work. Uh, for the NFL. Nice. I love tennis, so if you saw my Twitter page, you saw me writing a lot about the French Open that just happened. Um, I'm a sports fan, man. You know, I'm, I'm from, from Dayton, Ohio, so Cincinnati Reds in baseball, I'm loving they got the new prospect up. You know, <laughs> Just holler at me. <laughs> I'm with you.
1: Appreciate it. Great spot. Thank you. All right. Andre Snellings. Heard him earlier today on uh, ESPN National. He's up with Cofield and company again, Professor Riz. Maybe he should be a regular if he's available for us with you stat nerds.
2: I mean, I'm in. I just followed him. I'm on. I'm on it. You hadn't? Not yet. I'm. Done. I'm did it now. What do you think's gonna happen with Malone? This cements that he's he's a top five coach. I would hope so. I would think so. I mean, I think he's been good all along. So I I was never on the criticize him bandwagon.
0: It's Goldfield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Do you guys know anyone who is going to the VGK game tomorrow? Because it is going to be one of the priciest tickets, maybe outside of some big boxing matches and concerts.
2: I've talked to a couple. Yeah? Yeah, I mean. Are they juiced in or are they wealthy? No, people that have season tickets are just going. That are what were the face keeping. value for this? Do you know offhand? Uh, I don't know offhand. I guess it depends on where you are, too, yeah, in, the yeah. state, in the arena. Yeah. Um, I did see. I, this is not. I'm not saying this is affordable or cheap like I wouldn't th- probably do it uh, but I did see their get in price was down to like 500 which is way lower than I expected um obviously you know good seats I, I saw you know lower level mid lower level going for like 4500 uh somewhere up upwards of there but I mean that's that's a lot of money and that's really good seats but to be able to get in at 500 I was pretty surprised it was that low no, no one I know is going to the game.
3: <laughs> Come on. you know, I, I You are rolling a uh, high fluid circles. <laughs> no, not at all. No? No, but I mean 500 if you got it. I mean, it you know, if you want to be a part of history, you know be there so That's good all in. 4 fees
2: too. So, who knows what that is? It's wild. Yeah, I haven't
3: really canvassed
1: all friends and relationships, but I I know at least a couple of people. We all know one person. We know Justin Watkins
2: has season tickets. He's I went like, in uh, one of the original five, 75. Though, right? Anybody see his uh see his seats in Florida? No. I went down and sat with him between periods. How good were they? First row behind the goal. Wow. He mentioned the price to me off the air. That actually was
1: cheap. Uh, when he said the price the other day, I, do you remember what he said, Damon? I do not. I'm glad. Because he mentioned it, and Damon's face was like, uh, wow. Like I got, like you were like, whoa, that's a lot. That's his seat. That's a view from his seat right there. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I figured he was like
2: lower level, but nowhere near the glass. Not good for him. Also, uh, shout out to a couple. Like as I walked down to his seat through the concourse, uh, multiple co and Company listeners co- came up. That was it. Was pretty cool. A lot, give me like, names. A lot of, Come on, give me names. Um, well, I'll say one. One I know for sure from Twitter, Kevin Bitter. Good. Uh, good really? On Twitter. Yeah. Okay. You know. Came how, up. You know highfalutin li- highfalutin sure. listeners. Sure. So th- and there was a lot of a lot of Golden Knights fans, and then uh, on the plane too, there was a bunch of people that uh, listened to the show. So that was very cool as well. How many people from Lotus Broadcasting
1: do you think are going to get in? Uh, zero. Oh, I no, I think there's. I would, okay, maybe one. The boss. I would push it to five. Wow. Yeah. I'll go two. I'll go two. We have we have people here. First of all, people are juiced in, but we have people here. I uh, didn't know that there
3: were that many movers, movers and shakers in the building.
1: Uh, if they're not well, we have some really crazy fans here, who I think will spell um, spend beyond their means. If I can say it, they like sports. Sure. Like we know a couple of people who have PSLs, and I'm like, "What are you doing at Raider Stadium? It's, you are crazy! It's Wild!
2: It's, it's I mean, it's it's wild to go to sporting events now. It's crazy.
1: Hmm. I'll have to ask around, but it's uh, the other thing is the access to the arena tomorrow is going to be. What yeah. is Toshiba Plaza going to be
2: like? That's going to be crazy. Go I, down. I say I was go down, was, and but
1: but as Adam was saying during the break, go down early because it is going to be a frenzied scene way before the game.
2: Yeah, I was I was half joking that I was I was thinking about going and just going down there tonight, parking, sleeping <laughs> in the car. Um I'll probably go twelve thirty. Probably around twelve thirty. Just get down there.
1: Do they clear New York New York overnight?
2: Uh probably not,
1: but yeah, I wonder if you question. park on the top level, they will be like, get the hell out of here at like one o'clock in the morning.
2: So that's my move. I'll go park up park up on the roof. A good good spot. You need to
1: invest in like a small RV. Small, small. Just with like a bed.
2: Ah, oh, the, 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 the seats recline very well. Just, just put the chair back and listen, listen to some that's, podcasts and go to sleep. That's a long night and it day is. afterwards. It is. Yep. It
1: all goes down tomorrow. It all goes down tomorrow. Coming up, we're going to talk a little uh, football. Barry Odom on the way. You all uh, have worked really hard to get into this position. And...
0: The things that you're going to add to this program and this team, we're so excited about. And if you look at it, it's ready to get to work.
4: It's Cofield and Company,
0: live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All
1: right, let's get into a little UNLV football. A lot going on in June, right? Hard to believe, but uh, the football season's about 80 days away. Barry Odom is with Steve Cofield and Adam Hi. Hill. How are you, coach? Hey guys, I'm great, man. How are y'all doing? We're good. We're good. We got a lot to awesome. get into, but uh, very important to uh, get out there and mention what you guys have going on in June for football camps. And I know you have a lot of people coming in, young and old, to the facility. Isn't it
0: awesome? June is, as uh, you know, used to be in, in the world of college football a little bit of a slower month, and and now um, it's maybe one of the busiest months of the calendar. But it, it, it's. One of my favorite times of the year because you get to build your current team in uh, the off-season program and the summer workouts, the skills and drills, and the way that they, they go about the, the activities that we have during the summer. You've got official visits. You've got unofficial visits. We've had three camps on our campus, and then we've got uh, five more left on, on campus, uh, prospect camps. Our staff has been in Dallas. We've been in Houston. Uh, We'll be in Sacramento tomorrow working one-day satellite camps. We've been in St. Louis. We've been all over the country. And to piece it all together, that's one of the enjoyable parts is you uh, have got a, a team that you're trying to get ready in the next 80 days, and it's a sprint to get those guys ready to go play. And you've got new faces. You've got returners and blending all that together, plus you're in the heat of recruiting for the signing class in December. Uh, I wouldn't trade it. I, I love it. I think it's a, a wonderful, a wonderful thing uh, that we've got going. We've got uh, a lot of great things going on at UNLV, and uh, this is an exciting time for sure,
2: Coach. I mean, as you mentioned, the calendar's year round now. You guys are out there grinding every day. When do you rest? You got to take a little break. You got it ready for the season.
0: It's awesome. We'll get uh, we we had a couple of days off over spring break, which was back in March, and uh, our staff will get away for uh, I think two days right around the fourth of July. And uh you know, I, I think once you get into the routine, just like any business, I mean you're you're you've got a focus, you've got a goal, uh, you're on a mission to try to get something done and and, and get it going and, and you really you lose track of the time of day or the time of year this that's the task at hand and and for us and what we're trying to get done here, um I'm I'm A heck of a lot more excited about the job today than I was December the sixth, and I'm excited about our staff. I like the team that we have, on the continuity that we've got of the guys that are coming back and the the new pieces coming in. Um, You know, unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, we've got about 82 days before we kick this thing off.
1: You mentioned being in all these different spots around the country, different cities around the country. Is that something new for you as a head coach at UNLV? Did you do this at Arkansas, back at Missouri? What's the concept behind it?
0: Yeah, I think, number one, recruiting has got to be the lifeblood of a program. And you hear everybody say that. I mean, that, that's the tagline in college sports. But uh, it's so important. I I figured out a long time ago I'm a lot better coach with really good players. <laughs> and the only way you do that is you're select and you're direct in – in the recruiting approach. And I learned a lot in the SEC, uh, whether it be at Missouri or, or at Arkansas on the overall uh, foundational approach to recruiting. And you have to do it every single day. You've got to have, you know, the physical characteristics and qualities that you're looking for by position, but also more importantly, I think at this point in college football, it's, it's roster management and you've got to try to predict in two signing classes what you're really going to be looking for and then you know recruiting it happens so early now for for prospects uh we got to get in and evaluate them early and there's nothing like to me on being able to see a kid in person and to be able to put them through drills watch them do you know the testing but then also you know when when kids come to our camp uh it's not just height weight 40 and vertical we're going to our position coaches, they've got them in position drills for 45 minutes. We're going to do some testing. We're going to change the direction drills. I mean, they should be a better football player when they leave our camp, and I think that's important because, you know, there's a lot of guys that like the recruiting process. I don't know how many guys really like the ability to go work and go earn it. So there's still a great value in guys coming to your campus, working out, and showcasing their skill set and what that is. And then, you know, you find a lot about a guy when you've got a chance to spend two and a half to three hours with him on does he really like ball? Does does he like uh, the recruiting process or does he like ball? And for us, the toughness, the character, uh, the values of really liking the preparation part of getting ready for a season, those are so valuable in our recruiting uh, philosophy and process.
1: Barry is with us, head coach of UNLV football. UNLVtickets.com is where you go to get your season tickets. Uh, right now, season tickets start as low as 150 bucks. Uh, the uh, top end is 500 Still very, very affordable. On the recruiting trail, first of all, let's talk 2023 because I saw the intro video uh, move-in day, and I've been trying to keep track of this. You guys are pulling <laughs> players from a freaking every corner of the country, and I'm like, I, where? I mean, I'm doing a lot of research. When, when your guys come to you, right, your coaches come to you, um, are there times where you're like, wait, what is East Central University? Or wait, who's in Fresno? Um, how does this whole thing work? And, and how do you get kind of pitched on not only scholarship dudes, but you guys are also bringing in a bunch of walk ons? Well,
0: yeah, I think it's so important that, number one, you identify the needs that you need in your program to help you win immediately, and then you go find the right fit for that. I want to recruit the city of Vegas, and I don't want to make any confusion about that. There's in, in the, the the direct city, there's 36 high schools, and I want Vegas kids to stay home. And we've got to turn it into it's, it's our town, our team, and this is us. And anything that you want to achieve as a college student athlete and football player, we're going to get done at UNLV. There's great coaches here in the high school ranks. There's really, really good talent. We've got to be able to recruit Vegas and Keith's kids here. Once we do that, then also, I don't know why in the world you wouldn't want to come to UNLV. I don't care where you're living in the country. You can get a direct flight. Any There's only one Vegas in the world. Okay, well, let's use that, and let's make sure that we build an elite program. So that's the approach that I'm taking. I refuse to believe that we will not and cannot get it done. That I won't believe that. We're going to get this done. So there's good players everywhere, and you've got to go find them. It comes down to the relationship piece. Uh, of, of recruiting with the high school coach, the, the parent or guardian, and, and then ultimately the kid. And there's no substitute for that. It takes time and it takes effort. That's how you build a relationship. So where this coaching staff has been for their, their career, we've got connections all over the country. I think once we get kids on campus, they see the Fertitta Complex, they see our campus, they get in Allegiant. And I'll hold our 48-hour visit up against anybody's in the country. And ultimately, guys, it comes down to the people in the buildings and how we're getting this thing turned around. So if if you uh, are in Florida or New York or Washington or Phoenix, Arizona or Dallas, Texas, we're going to go find you. And I want guys to understand how important it is that you know not only the Vegas kids, but we got to. Find a way to get kids on campus because once we do that, we got a great chance of getting them.
1: So we can't talk about the 2024 commit specifically, but uh, notice that you got some local kids. On the flip side of that, 2023 it looks like you have some walk on You know, and got you know it.
0: what? Yeah. In the 24 class, yeah. there's Vegas. Is a is, it is an unbelievable class in Vegas. Good deal. Man. And if we can hit those guys, then our, our our program takes a step forward. I'm really excited about this group uh, that we have here locally
1: with. With 2023, how big is it to kind of lay a little bit of a base by being local friendly? You know, I notice you have a walk-on from Liberty. Uh, you have Juwan Claiborne, who's back in town from Gorman, you know, a second and third chance kid. Is that That's got to be a positive to send a message that, hey, you know what, there's going to be times where, hey, we can be your home even if you're not the most highly recruited guy.
0: You know, I think it's so important. Number one, you, you brought up a, a, a word with, that I think it's uh, going to be huge to the development of our program. It's our walk-on program. And, you know, our, you only get 85 scholarships. That's the rule. So then how can you build the next 15, the next 20, the next 25 kids that are good enough, they're fringe players for whatever reason, but they're good enough to come in and you can develop them and the process of what that looks like into turning them into uh, college student-athletes that can play winning football. That, that's important piece because we can't waste a spot uh, on, on any of them. And it's so important that we can identify guys that are, that are good football players. They may be missing uh, character trait in, in some sense, but also understanding the developmental phase that we think we can get them there. You measure vertical jump, broad jump, 40-time explosiveness. Those things, if they maybe aren't fully developed as a football player, those things are in, in the way that we approach uh, prospects and look at that. Okay, if they're athletic, they can run, they can jump, then it's our job to turn them into really good football players. And a lot of times that happens in the walk-on program. I'm, I'm really excited about some guys that we've been able to add in that capacity that may have... The local flavor to them that that for whatever reason where they were it didn't work out and and they end up back at UNLV.
1: Barry Odom's with us, head coach at UNLV, coaching the football program. We were just talking about highfalutin folks around town who are getting tickets to go to VGK tomorrow. Are you going to the game for the uh, the clincher here if they can win the Stanley Cup?
0: What a what a great run they've had. I, I mean I've been to two or three of their games and the they they've got it figured out it's off the charts the environment the atmosphere so special uh, and you want to capture that and find a way to make that our game day um i won't be there in person uh unless somebody wants to throw me a couple tickets so uh Come on, hint, Vegas! Hint, hint. No! <laughs> no i i uh we're gonna we're gonna watch it together i think uh some of the staff and and some of the guys are gonna watch it together we look forward to it and They've been a lot of fun to follow. It would be so awesome for the city for us to go get this win.
1: Can you take messages from hockey and this coaching staff with Cassidy and apply it to your football program? Absolutely. We,
0: we, I think my players look at me because I'll use every sport imaginable. Uh, there's lessons everywhere. You learn from experiences. You learn from other people going through things in their sports season, teamwork and hard work and the values of what that looks like. Uh, I've got a library of things that I'm going to use from this year's team once we get started in fall camp. It's, it's been tremendous to watch.
1: Last one, I noticed you were making some waves uh, recruiting in the Kansas City area, and I saw your mentions of a couple of KC barbecue joints. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you, and Adam isn't either, because I know Adam's been to Kansas City many times. I will say this. Have you been able to find uh, some barbecue joints locally, or you just stick to Kansas City? No, I'm,
0: I'm uh, if, have you seen me lately in person? I mean, I like food. I like to eat. <laughs> so there's uh Vegas is unmatched in the world, in the food scene. And I've been able to, to try just uh, about as many varieties of food uh, as I can. And it's unbelievable. And I, you know, the, the Kansas city connection there was with how we're recruiting in that city um, a, a message to some of the high school coaches and how I was wording that. So um, excited about the opportunity to recruit in places that we've been before and we know, and uh, trying to find the best players we can to uh, come help us win a championship.
1: Coach, let's close on this. Where's the best place for the rest of the camps that there's some availability at? Where can people go to, to get involved?
0: Yeah, everything's on the, on the website, on UNLV football website. Uh, we've got our, our online registration there. We've got a camp the 16th, the 24th. Uh, we've got a seven-on-seven seven that we're hosting – a number of schools from here in the city on the on the evening of the 23rd, uh, just a lot of thing great things going on, and then you know the month of July becomes um, a, a dead period as, as at least of prospects coming on campus. So we're going to try to hit it hard and heavy here for the rest of June and uh, build this team ready to go compete uh, in a in a 23 season.
1: Coach, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. There appreciate is. it. Barry Odom, football head coach at UNLV, five hour on the way.